On today's Fantasy NFL Today, we discuss basic fantasy football draft advice. What's the best strategy to use? Are you a wide receiver guy? Running back guy? Tight ends early? I offer my best strategy that has worked for me in the past and has gotten me to many playoffs in my leagues. We also discuss where you're getting your news and sources from. Maybe you like mainstream media. Maybe you're a football guy. Really like to break down that film. Maybe... You're a statistical nerd, and you're part of the Dynasty crowd. All great sources equally to get information from, but we're going to talk about which ones are the best. Let's really unlock that treasure chest and talk about the biggest do's and don'ts to do during your draft. With that being said, let's get to it. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by Hoopball. Today is Monday, July 5th. Happy post-4th of July to everybody out there. Hope you had a great weekend, safe weekend, fun weekend. Um, so today is our very first episode here, official episode, I should say. Um, I think starting tomorrow, we'll start getting into the teams. We'll go team by team per episode. I think I'm going to start with the AFC. We'll go Northeast, Southwest. Then we'll move over to the NFC, Northeast, Southwest. Just seems appropriate for some reason. Um, but today I kind of wanted to take it easy. Kind of a continuation of the intro episode. Um, yeah, kind of wanted to go over a, the general pre-draft strategy that I like to use. It's been successful for me. Now, most of you listening, obviously, you guys have played fantasy football for a pretty long time, probably have your own strategies, and that's completely fine. I just thought I'd share mine with you, and you know, you could take it or leave it. Um, a lot of fantasy players can be stubborn. I get that. Sometimes I'll share some of my biggest quote-unquote secrets with my friends, and you know, they're going to do what they want to do. You know, everybody, everybody thinks they know everything, and I don't know anything, everything myself, but. That's just the way it is in the fantasy world. Everybody tries to outsmart everybody. And, you know, most people are probably going to just do what they want to do. And that's fine. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to share with you my strategy. It's worked um, pretty. It's been pretty successful. I mean, every time I follow this strategy and don't go off the rails too much, I usually find myself in the playoff hunt. And that's all you can really ask for. If you can get to the dance you have a chance, no matter how bad your team is. You can go in with a losing record, which has happened to me before in the past. I've slipped in the sixth seed, losing record, and just won, 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 went to the Super Bowl, and I ended up winning the championship. So that's our goal, ultimately. I want you to keep that in mind. You just want to get into the playoffs. Um, and now I'm talking about standard or even a half-point PPR league. Um when I talk about this strategy, when it comes to dynasty or keeper leagues or um, best ball, even this strategy is not the best, but I feel like most casual fans out there that play fantasy football, um, you're mostly playing a standard or a half point PPR league. And these leagues consist of one as your starting lineup. They consist of one quarterback, usually two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a flex position where you can play a running back, wide receiver, or tight end, a kicker, gross, 
and one defense slash special teams. Um, yeah, the kicker position, I feel like the older I get and the further I go into this fantasy black hole here, um, there's nothing more furious than losing to a kicker when you're up eight points going into Monday Night Football and your opponent has a kicker and they ha- they you know they kick for 12-plus points and you lose to a kicker. Um, they're just so random. Let's be honest. Um, look at like a kicker like Will Lutz, who's been consistently pretty good for the Saints. He finishes outside the top 10. And then you have a guy like, um, who was it? Jason Sanders on the Miami Dolphins. This guy finished first for you know kicking points, probably overall points, to be honest. Um, and, you know, if you can get one of those guys great but nine times out of ten you're just kind of scrambling the wire for a kicker every time it's kind of more of an you know annoying than anything else but here we are in our normal leagues we have kickers we have defenses um you know that's the way it is so be it some leagues might decide to get rid of it and you know most people keep it though so before i get into this strategy that i use a lot that's been successful Um, I wanted to kind of talk about where everybody's getting their news from. And I'm going to be super transparent where I get all my news from. um, And it doesn't have to be one source. I think that's a mistake a lot of people make when it comes to fantasy football. And what I mean by that is I I tend to look at it from a bigger picture here. And there's basically three different avenues of news that come into you at this point. Um, One is you obviously have your you know, mainstream media, the ESPNs of the world, the Yahoo's, um, you know, that's the mainstream news feed. And a lot of times that stuff's beefed up for ratings or clicks or, you know, whatever it is. Um, another one, a big one nowadays is the analytical department. Um, you know, that's your pro football focus, your dynasty guys that you follow on social media, Warren Sharps of the world, those guys, super smart, Great information coming out of there. Sometimes it can be hard to follow, especially if you're just very casual with fantasy football. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot in depth. And then another one is, which is also a good source, is your football guys, you know, ex-players that have played in the league. Um, You know, those guys that watch film. um, And a lot of times the analytical and football guys go head to head or battle it out head to head. They don't really like each other. Um, But again, I think it's great to actually get your information from all three of these outlets there they all have valuable information um, whether you agree with it or not there's something to be you know taken from each one of these these i don't know what are they called departments or sources um so for example like the news guys um i like to watch well first of all i get a lot of my actual factual news like what's really happening non-opinionated information from roto world uh roto world's great especially if you have twitter um you know you can set your notifications that every time something newsworthy breaks or somebody gets injured i get a notification on my phone you know uh so and so broke their leg or they're going to be out for three to four weeks blah 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 that's your normal normal information that's really great for a real quick up-to-the-date uh stuff um when it comes to the talking heads, I have a pretty low tolerance for a lot of these shows that you see on TV, something like your first takes, uh, like your Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, because I feel like a lot of those shows, again, 
They're just looking for ratings. Uh, they're screaming at each other half the time. They say the most craziest things that you know they don't believe. Um, but every once in a while, they'll drop a little nugget that makes you think. Um, my favorite talking head show is Colin Cowherd, <laughs> believe it or not. I know he's a little weaselly and snarky and whatever. Um, but he, the reason I like him is he tends to go against the popular opinion of most popular players. A lot of people like in the NBA world liked, you know, a couple years ago, Russell Westbrook, his triple doubles and, you know, all these crazy statistical nights he would have in the regular season. Um, but he calls him out. He says, yeah, he's great if you have like a fantasy team and whatever. But is he really is he really a reliable player to have on a team that can win a championship? And, you know, that pisses a lot of people off because he's a popular player. Um, he does that in football as well. He does it with he picks on Baker Mayfield a lot, um, and I you know a couple players he'll he'll dig at, and he's right half the time. It's just people don't like to hear it. So you know he's good for that stuff, and that you know makes you think sometimes. You know is he is is Baker Mayfield a reliable quarterback you can rely on in fantasy or? You know, is he just a punk that, you know, has highs and lows? And so far, you know, I don't know if he's a punk, but he definitely has highs and lows. He goes through six-game stretches where he kills it, and then he has another stretch of games where he's throwing interceptions all day, you know? And if somebody like Cowherd isn't calling him out, how are you ever going to actually stop and think about that? Um, another talking head guy I like is R.J. Bell. Um, he used to not be as mainstream as he is now. He seems like he's getting more popular and popular as the years go on. He's great for the when it comes to the betting market information. But a lot of that information, again, you can peel out and use towards your fantasy players. You know, they'll talk about a player that performs better on turf than he does on real grass or somebody like Kirk Cousins. Oh, this was a great one, actually. Um, they through somebody, through some source, or I don't even know who their sources are, but they found out that Kirk Cousins may have like a OCD type of issue when he doesn't play at that 1 p.m. slot. And when it comes to him playing at the 4.30 game, or, you know, obviously everybody knows he doesn't play well in the night games, but it was like anything outside of that 1 p.m. slot, he really didn't have a good record. And this was... They broke this before it was well known that Kirk Cousins wasn't a good primetime player. Um, and it was just something great to keep your eye on. If you had Kirk Cousins in fantasy, you know, did you want to play him outside of a 1 p.m. game? Probably not. Um, when it came to betting, uh, it was great to bet against the Vikings, you know, when Kirk was not playing in those 1 p.m. games. So they're great. All those talking head guys, um, you know, take them or leave them for what they are. Again, but, you know, there are, like, they're good, like, background. Like, if you're working, you have Colin Cowherd on in the background, or I have RJ Bell's podcast on in the background. You don't have to really listen to it, like, in depth. It's just every once in a while you pick up a little nugget here, a little nugget there, and it's great. Um, moving on. So, like I said, another great source of information is from these football guys, guys that watch film, guys that are hardcore football guys, ex-players even, um, one of my favorite guys to follow on social media on Instagram or Twitter is Brian Baldinger. He is great at breaking down individual players and he, it's actually hilarious. The nicknames he comes up with for these guys. Uh, but he's very like technique, like look at the way this guy turns his hips. Look at the way he sinks into the ground. Look at his hands, his footwork. 
And you might say, like, you don't need to know all this information for football, and that's fine. You might not. But let's say he's breaking down the left tackle on the Cleveland Browns, and he's talking about how quick his footwork or how quick his hands are, how great his footwork is. Look at the lanes he's opening for a running back like Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. It actually does affect your fantasy football team because if he is opening up lanes like that, say the tackle was brand new to the team and they replaced the old tackle from the year before and he was terrible. Now you got this tackle that's opening up these huge lanes and those running backs become a lot more valuable. Another guy I like is Chris Sims. He's got a podcast. Um, I usually watch it on YouTube. Uh, I think you can download it somewhere else too. Um, but he's great for information for, you know, film guy again. Another film guy that, you know, a lot of times he releases his rankings, especially in the quarterback department, and every single year, without fail, people are in an uproar. Pissed off. How can you rank this player above this player? Well, he hasn't even taken a snap in the NFL yet. But if you go back and look at his track record, he's been consistently good at these rankings. And listening to what he has to say, he has a lot of he played quarterback in the NFL. He's got a lot of experience. His dad played quarterback, Super Bowl champion Phil Sims. You know, these guys have been around for a long time. They know what they're talking about. So even if it sounds crazy because you heard from an analytical guy that this doesn't work, you know, listen to what they're saying. You might learn something. Um, another ex-player that I like that I don't know if he has his own podcast, but he has segments on the NFL Network is Maurice Jones-Drew. And the only reason I still follow him is because back in, I think it was like 2009 or 2010, uh, he was the only person to talk about Arian Foster with the Houston Texans. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And I found myself in my draft that year and it was the fifth round and I didn't follow my rule, which I'll get to soon. Uh, I didn't follow my rule and I found myself needing a running back in the fifth round. I think it was my first one. And I took Arian Foster and turned out he killed it that year. Ended up finishing like in the top three or something crazy like that. And you know, every time you get a nugget from somebody like that and it works, you kind of have a hard time letting them go. So you always like check in every once in a while. So that's what I kind of do with Maurice Jones-Drew, you know, ex-running back, great running back. Um, so if I'm looking for some running back news and, it's, you know, it's a little flat out there in the, you know, all the other departments that I check, I'll check, you know, I'll check in on MJD, see what he's talking about. And last is, you know, the king right now. Everything is about analytics very analytical world out there right now. You can find, you know, they're really big on social media platforms. Um, these guys, man, they are they are smart. They're very, very smart. I'll give them that. The only thing I don't like about these guys on social media is they're very arrogant. Um, it's almost like a casual fan will ask them a question and they'll they'll fire back at you with like some snarky response and like back it up with the data and you're like, dude, chill. Like I was just asking a question. And the funny part is the only people they're nice to are the people in their own circle. Even if they're at a different company or, or a different like section or whatever, they'll talk to each other and they're like, yeah, yeah. And this, you know, the snap rate of this you know, when this running back gets 75% snap rate and, you know, they throw all these crazy stats at you, which I understand. It's not that, you know, it's not that it's difficult to understand. It's just, you know, for, again, a casual fantasy football player that doesn't have the time to do all these research or all this research, I can see where a lot of people get frustrated with these guys. 
Um, one of my favorite guys that got me started into the analytic world was Warren Sharp. Um, great, great information. But again, you need the time to actually sit down and read what all these statistical things actually mean. Like it might make sense when you read it at first, like on the surface, but you really have to dive deeper sometimes and understand where the statistic is coming from and how it's applied. But yeah, Warren Sharp comes out, I think he comes out with a magazine once a year, a yearly magazine in July. So probably pretty soon. It's a great read. It's not that expensive. Um, but yeah, great information in there. Predictions. I think he predicts how each team's going to finish. There's great fantasy information in there from, I, I think, Ev Evan Silva, who's also really great. Um, so I, I would buy that. I usually buy that magazine once a year. Um, pro Football Focus. A lot of people don't like Pro Football Focus, and that's fine. Um, I'm a big Pro Football Focus guy. I really like the information you can get there. Their subscription's a little expensive. But, you know, if you can afford it, there's a lot of really good information in there for fantasy, for betting, for just NFL, good, solid NFL uh, football in there. Like, just regular NFL football stuff, too. Um yeah, like, and it's still a big mystery, I think, how people, how they get their grades. Everybody doesn't really know that. But, you know, a lot of times I'll agree with it. I'll look at a player who's maybe a little more overhyped and he'll have a, he'll have a little lower grade than usual. And I'll be like, yeah, you know what? He, you know, he didn't have a great season. That's probably an accurate grade. But, you know, they take a lot of things into account for those grades. You know, it's, it's play by play. It's a lot of, lot of, lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of good information in there. Another great source of information when it comes to the analytical department is the Roto Underworld people. They have a great website. It's called playerprofiler.com. And on this website, it's pretty cool. You can basically type in any player that's in the NFL, their name, search them. And what it does is it really it, it brings up every single player's metrics, their size, you know, they're how fast they ran the 40 yard dash, their speed score, burst score, agility score, their bench press, all this like great information. But one of the things I really like about it is it tells you their breakout age. And it's crazy because basically what I found out recently in the last couple of years is that the earlier the player breaks out, meaning like the younger they are. So if a player broke out in college and like at the age of like 19, and, you know, they had like, you know, 800 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns that season. A lot of times when it comes to running backs and wide receivers, the earlier the breakout age is, the more likely they are to transition and be successful in the NFL. You know, and that was something I found out through this website and just constantly watching a lot of their stuff on here. They have podcasts, YouTube videos and things like that. It's just, you know, again, it's a lot of information. You're getting thrown a lot of, lot of information from all different angles. And it's really up to you to decide what's good information and what's bad information. There's no correct answer. And I think, again, a lot of the mistakes people make is just backing themselves into one corner. I'm an analytical guy and, or I'm a football guy or, I'm, you know, I'm too casual. I only listen to mainstream media. I think that's where it gets dangerous. And I think that's where people make a big mistake. Um, if you're too analytical, you're relying too much on just spreadsheets and numbers that don't necessarily translate to the field. If you're too football, 
you know, you can find somebody that's talented and like a Saquon Barkley who's got all the talent in the world, but his offensive line's terrible and doesn't block for him and he doesn't perform. He falls outside the top 10. Or you can watch mainstream media and be just mainstream media and you can just draft all the popular guys, but maybe they're too old now. So again, good to take from all three of these and use your gut. Decide for yourself. Go with your eyes. Go with what your gut is telling you. Trust your instincts. But again, I think it's really, really, really important to look at all three and decide for yourself. Don't feel stupid if you know you say, "Oh, where?" Somebody says, "Oh, where'd you get that information from?" And you say, "Oh, I was watching Colin Cowherd." Like, who cares? Just, just go with what you think works, because nine times out of ten, that's going to be the most successful. All right, so enough about all that, enough about the news and where you're getting your information from and all that boring stuff. Get to the draft strategy. What is your draft strategy? Some of you might have picked it up already when I was talking about the running backs a little bit up top there. Um, So here it is. Ready? Draft running backs early and often. I know, this is groundbreaking stuff, rocket science, some might say, but it's really, really that simple. But you'll be surprised how easy it is to go off script because temptation is a mother effer during your draft. Guys, I'm telling you right now, the more running backs you have, especially quality running backs, you have on your team, the better off and the more likely you will be to make the playoffs. I know, I know, you're in a 12-man league, and you got unlucky. You have picks 10, 11, or 12. And by the time it gets to you, you see a running back like Miles Sanders that you're not that interested in. But look at that, Devontae Adams, and then coming back around on the hook, I can have Stefan Diggs too. Wow. Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs. That sounds awesome, huh? Feeling a little sexy. Feeling good about your team on draft night. But how good are you going to feel when it comes back to round three? It's your turn. And coming around the hook again on round four. And the only running backs available now to you are Miles Gaskin and like a Chase Edmonds. Gross. I'll tell you what right now, if you go into your season and your wide receivers are Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and your two starting running backs are Miles Gaskins and Chase Edmonds, you're in trouble. You are in a world of trouble. Not only are your running backs a major issue, because first of all, those two guys aren't even the workhorses of their team. Yeah, Miles Gaskins had a little success at the end of the year, but Miami has a ton of running backs, and they're going to plan to use all of them. Chase Edmonds, same thing. Going to be splitting carries. You don't want guys like that. You want to stay away from guys like that. They are not bad options later in the round, but when we're talking rounds one through five, even one through seven even, I'm not too sure these are the guys you want to hit your wagon to. You don't want these guys as RB1 or RB2. So not only are your running backs in trouble but now you found yourself chasing this entire draft you're behind the eight ball so to say 
you know, the the top quarterbacks will start coming off. Really, really good wide receivers that will still get a thousand yards and like eight to ten touchdowns, they'll start coming off the board. You know, but you you know, you're good. You got your Stefan Diggs and your Devontae Adams. So, you know, what do you need those guys for? But you're also just you're you're crushed in the running back department because once you get past round five, especially, there are no good quality running backs to start the year. Yeah, people will get injured. And yeah, you can pick up people on the waiver wire, people like a James Robinson from last year. But you have to make sure you're that one team that gets that running back. So what I'm saying is why not just set yourself up real nice in the running back department early and often and really set yourself up for that success. You don't want to be living on the waiver wire hoping that you get the next James Robinson because you know, statistically, you're probably not. One person out of the 12 is going to get that guy. And, you know, the odds are against you there. So what I like to really do is I like to grab three quality running backs within the first five rounds. To be more specific, every single year that I have drafted with my first three picks running backs, I have had a high clip rate at the playoffs. Rounds one through three, running back, running back, running back. Now, if you play in a league where that's the general consensus and everybody kind of knows this and everybody's drafting running backs, and by the time you get to round three, you know, don't take a running back like a Leonard Fournette who you know is going to split the carries. Because if everybody's taking running backs, there should at that point in round three be a really good premium wide receiver for you there or maybe even a premium tight end but i'll get to tight ends in a minute here but again running back running back running back every time i've had three quality running backs to start i have been successful and have made the playoffs and what you're really trying to do with these running backs try to think of the running back as your foundation of your house they're your your support beams so to say So, yeah, people will say, well, you know, running backs get hurt all the time and, you know, that's why I don't draft running backs early. That's exactly why we're actually drafting running backs early and often because they do tend to get hurt. So say you have a Dalvin Cook and he gets hurt. Well, the beautiful thing about that is if he gets hurt, your house isn't falling down because you have two more structural beams to support your house. Hopefully, you can get four or five quality running backs within the first seven or eight rounds and then you're really set you don't want your house to fall down that's all you're trying to do again the running backs are the foundation of your structure and without your foundation your house is just going to sink and fall apart and collapse if you're listening to any other podcast or show that is touting their zero running back strategy please do yourself a favor Stop listening to whoever that is and never, ever go back. In fact, take your computer, whatever you downloaded that podcast to, whichever device you downloaded it to, take it to the local tech shop, Geek Squad or whatever, and have your system completely wiped back to factory settings because it's a virus and that's exactly what it is. 
Do not listen to anybody telling you zero running back strategy. And again, this is for standard or half point PPR leagues. But guys, again, this is not rocket science. This isn't groundbreaking information. I think a lot of times people try to get too cute with their teams or with new strategies. Again, everybody wants to be smarter than everybody else in the room. Stick to what works. And this works, I'm telling you. And it's actually the easiest part. If you just stick to getting your running backs early and often, I promise you, you'll be successful. And the beautiful part about all this is I'm actually seeing for this year, even if you're picking in the back, I see 10 to even, I, I, I see 10 real quality running backs and I would actually argue 11 and 12. So if you have any pick in your first round, you should be able to land a good quality running back that should help your team instantly. You know, we're not trying to take big risks in these early rounds. Again, it's your foundation. You are not trying to go and outsmart anybody or gamble. You want to take guys consistent, guys that are consistent. That's what you want. You want consistency and people that have pretty much proved it in the past. But, you know, sometimes you'll get somebody like a Saquon Barkley that has that raw talent that is pretty hard to fail no matter what. And that's fine. Uh, maybe that year, this year, that running back is a Najee Harris. Um, you know, by the time your draft comes around, Najee Harris, you know, he might be a, a mid first round pick. I think right now he's either going in the early second round or late first round, but you know, some breaking news comes out from time to time and people get hot last year, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I did a few best ball leagues in May and June and I was getting Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the, in rounds three. Um, you know, maybe late second round, but mostly round three. And by the time my real fantasy football draft came up with my friends, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire went number five overall. Number five. Crazy. Um, you know, because people started digging more. Andy Reid's success with running backs has been great over the years. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people that told you will tell you that who had Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year. You know, they weren't too happy. Started off real hot that first game. Uh, got a lot of points there. But, you know, after that, and especially when they brought in Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, it, it wasn't too hot. So it was risky. But what we're trying to do again here in the first round is limit your risk, build your foundation. First first five rounds, you, you want to limit risk. You could take probably one shot here in the first five rounds. But you need to get guys that are consistently going to give you those points and, uh, you know, hold you hold you afloat so to say um you want you know once we get past rounds five i like to wait till usually round seven like i said that's when you start taking your shots stefan diggs last year was not a first round or second round pick stefan diggs in in most leagues was going around eight and this is why i'm telling you to wait on these wide receivers the wide receiver is so deep so deep most teams have two two to three really good wide receivers on their team that will get you a thousand yards and and maybe even double digit touchdowns. So you can wait on these guys. You can find a Justin Jefferson around eight, round nine, round ten. But even guys like AJ Brown, look at a receiver like AJ Brown that went later in drafts last year. You know, this year he's some people are projecting him to be the number one overall wide receiver in some circles. I love A.J. Brown. Uh, do I want him in rounds one or two? No, because I need to build that foundation with those running backs. 
Look at some of the premier wide receivers that went early last year that didn't have a great season. Injury or not, doesn't matter. Michael Thomas, first-round pick. Didn't play most of the year. You have guys like Chris Godwin. He was a popular, popular pick in the first two rounds. Didn't perform as well. Why? Because Tom Brady came into town, and they ran basically a system like they ran in New England. Spread the ball around to everybody. Is Mike Evans, Chris Godwin... Are they as valuable as they used to be when Jameis Winston and Dirk Cotter were running the show? No. And these are all the things you need to look at. And again, with the wide receivers, it goes so deep. You can wait until rounds five through seven to get your first wide receiver. You can. And it can work. I do it all the time. But again, I'm going to beat this horse deader than it already is dead you have to understand that these running backs again you don't just want to grab running backs like miles gaskin or running backs you know like even now josh jacobs with the you know splitting that backfield there in in las vegas you need to find the guys that are going to have the volume or the opportunity volume or opportunity are they the only guy on their team that's going to get the carries or is somebody chewing into their carries Miles Sanders was a popular pick last year, but look at it now. Now they have, they drafted uh, Kenny Gainwell. They brought in Jordan Howard, Carryon uh, John, Johnson. Now they have four pretty good running backs that can all split carries and do different things. Now, Miles Sanders, what's his true value? I see him still going in the second round. That's crazy. So you want the guys, again, opportunity or the guys that are going to get the most volume because they're the only guy. And they're rare. You have to understand how rare it is and how important it is to have one of those guys. So the earlier you do pick in the draft, you have a pretty big advantage, but don't squander it. Last year, I knew a buddy who drafted Christian McCaffrey. First round, first pick. He didn't pick his second running back until round five where he got Melvin Gordon. And what happened? Christian McCaffrey went down. Oh, there goes his first support beam. And then he was relying on Melvin Gordon. And he was chasing and looking constantly on the waiver wire for another running back to help him squeak him by. You don't that's what you don't want to happen. You need Christian McCaffrey. Come back. Grab yourself somebody else nice. Maybe a David Montgomery. It's a nice solid back to have. Maybe not the sexiest. But now they have Justin Fields in the background there in Chicago, or the quarterback there in Chicago. And that's going to help the run game, you know? That's another statistical thing where teams with running quarterbacks typically have strong running games. Look at Baltimore. You know, for a while it was um, Mark Ingram. J.K. Dobbins came on big at the end there. Uh, You know, so if they have mobile quarterbacks, which Justin Fields, you know, he seems pretty mobile to me. Montgomery might be a real big steal there. Now you got Christian McCaffrey, David Montgomery, and you know maybe somebody else is there still that you're, you know, you can pad that running back. I like to call it the stable. Pad that stable as hard as you can. It's horses, baby. Let's get it. So now you're looking at a Christian McCaffrey, a David Montgomery, and if you have that first pick, you get back-to-back picks there, and then maybe Chris Carson's still there. Underrated running back who everybody sleeps on every single year and every single year he produces. Yeah, I think he missed a game or two last year, but you know he's the guy in Seattle. He's the guy that Pete Carroll likes to feed. Now you have three stud backs. If one of them goes down, you're still good. You still have two starters at least, and then you can flex in. You know, Maybe you have a, a 
couple good wide receivers you can flex in. Or maybe you're smart and you drafted another running back within the first six, seven rounds here, and you can plug that guy in. You want to have reserves for running backs, good quality reserves. Don't worry about getting a Tyreek Hill. Don't worry about getting a Stephon Diggs. Don't worry about getting a Devontae Adams. Oh, but it's PPR. Most leagues that the new standard is half point PPR, which by the way, I like to go on a little rant about PPR. PPR in 2021 makes no sense at all. I think people are just addicted to the points, like to open up their, you know, their phone app or their look on their computer and have like 300 points, you know, 310 to 280. But in today's NFL, wide receivers should not be rewarded per reception. I get it back in 2010. It made sense when the rules were different. But nowadays, with the rules the way they are, these re- the receivers run clean. The backs can't even touch them half the time. Your wide receiver should not be getting points per reception. The only thing I can see that points per reception helps is maybe if you apply it just to the tight end position. Because if you look at the tight end position, there's about three, maybe five real good quality tight ends that get fed the ball. But everybody else that's left with a Dan Arnold of the world, you know, that guy's getting, what, three catches maybe during the game? Or he's or they're very, you know, touchdown reliant. I like a tight end premium PPR, but let's get rid of the PPR on the wide receivers, please. I'm a big uh I'm a big standard guy. Let's go with the standard rules. Also, I never understood quarterback passing touchdown as four points. What's that? A touchdown's a touchdown, right? Touchdown six points? Where's the four come from? You know, people will complain, well, then the quarterback gets so many points. Yeah, but everybody's quarterback's playing on the same field. So whether you had Aaron Rodgers last year or, you know, someone like Daniel Jones, it doesn't matter because the quarterbacks are all still playing on that same that same field where you're still getting six. You still need a good quarterback. So, you know, those are two of the big things I have beef with in these in these fantasy leagues. But I think that's why I'm the commissioner of most of the leagues I'm into because I like to set the rules the way I see fit. But it's just like, wait, I don't understand. So you have a running back that will go out on a, fl- a flat route, catch six passes, and end up with negative three receiving yards, but yet this running back is getting rewarded six points for those catches. So even if that's all your all your running back did for that whole day, say he didn't even get a, get a handoff. It was somebody like a James White on New England, caught six passes out in the flat, but ended up with negative three receiving yards, that running back still finishes with 5.7 points. That's just, what are we doing here, people? Right? Am I right or am I crazy? What, what's, what's going on? Another rule um, I like to follow is to wait on quarterback and really, really wait on tight end unless your league has a premium tight end. A lot of dynasty leagues do premium PPR tight end points. Where in that case, I'll see Travis Kelsey or, you know, Travis Kelsey go in the first round or, you know, Darren Waller in the second round. Like that makes sense. But for these standard leagues, if your tight end's not getting a premium, really wait on tight end. There's always going to be a weak, a weak spot in your roster somewhere. And for me, every single year it's tight end and I'm kind of chasing the tight end on the waiver wire. And, you know, you might be saying, well, that sucks. 
you don't really want to be chasing anything. But what I'm trying to say on this podcast here is that out of all those positions, because the tight end is really rare, if you don't end up with a good one, that's the best one to be chasing. You don't want to be chasing running running backs. You don't even really want to be chasing your wide receivers during the season or quarterback for that matter. The tight end, you're okay chasing. You're okay if your tight end only gets you five points, six points, seven points, whatever. You can make it by. You can get to the playoffs. You can win a Super Bowl or championship with a very, you know, average to below average tight end. And that's okay. And for the love of God, do not draft a defense or a kicker until the very, very end of your draft. Don't be that guy. The guy that puts the pink or the purple sticker on the draft board, if you do a live draft, in rounds 9, 10, 11, 12, don't be that guy. You've now been identified as a tiny, tiny fish in a big pond. And you don't want to be a tiny fish. You want to be a shark. Every time I see these people that put up these stickers, I'm just like, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> what are we doing? And these are the guys that don't, you know, they don't really, they don't really study it as much. What happens is if you ever see a guy that's doing that at your draft, he's usually just the next best available guy. And we have a few of those guys from time to time in all of our drafts, don't we? They know what they're really doing in their you know, first round, second round, third round. But once it starts getting deeper and deeper, mm, they're just grabbing that next best available. And then they don't even know who the players are half the time when they get into the middle of the draft. And that's why they take their kicker. That's why they take their defense. And, you, you know, if you're fortunate enough and you're either drafting right behind this guy or in front of this guy, it's perfect. Because you know you're going to get your guys. And lastly, you know, we'll start to wrap the show up here. First episode. Again, the Fantasy NFL Today presented by Hoop Ball. Our first official episode. You know, and it's a lot of people that play fantasy. You guys might, you might be being like, okay, yeah, I get it. But I just, you know, I thought this was a good buffer into, you know, how I operate. And, you know, the things I'll tell you and the things we'll talk about in the future here why I'm talking about that way is because this is how I basically operate from a fantasy football strategy. But lastly, I just wanted to talk about and really hit on a lot of these ADP cheat sheets. You know, your your normal cheat sheets that you'll print out before your draft from the you know an ESPN or a Yahoo. It's just really, really, really important to just not live and die by these cheat sheets from these companies. You have to understand a lot of them are just copy and paste from the previous season. Again, like I talked about with the wide receiver, Stefan Diggs is now on these cheat sheets. He's a top five wide receiver to go. And that's just insane to me. Yeah, he had a good season last year and he's a good player. I love Stefan Diggs. I'm not taking him in the first two rounds. It's just copy and paste it. If anything, if you look at Stefan Diggs statistics, he's usually about a 1000 yard receiver with about eight to touchdown, eight touchdowns a year. So he broke over that. I think he had fifteen around 1,500 receiving yards last year. I uh, forget his touchdowns off the bat, but if you, if you want to point out an outlier, it's that way. It's not it's, – he's pretty, he's pretty consistently, again, the 1,000-yard receiver, not a 1,500-yard receiver. So to take that gamble that he's going to do that again and not regress at all, take him in round one and two, it's insane. 
you can find a guy like him, a thousand yard receiver in round seven in round eight. So, you know, again, these cheat sheets, it's not to live and die by them. Take them for what they are. I like to just use a cheat sheet, obviously just to cross off the people that aren't available anymore, but I actually just use it as a, as a shot clock, so to say. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I have all my players highlighted and I just basically use my cheat sheet as a reference for how much time I have left to get the guys I want. Because I know at least 80% of the league that you're drafting with or that I'm drafting with is using that cheat sheet as basically their Bible. So I'm using it more as just a guide and a shot clock as to how much time I have to get the guys that I want. Let everybody else in your draft room use their cheat sheets as their Bible and use your cheat sheet as a weapon. And just try to think about it that way. Use it as a weapon against everybody else. Be smart. Be methodical. Be the ninja in your draft room. And if you follow these easy steps, I guarantee you, you'll dominate your league and you'll end up in the playoffs every single year. All right, that's all we have for today. Again, thanks for listening to Fantasy NFL Today presented by HoopBall. Again, I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can follow me on Twitter at Talking Sunday. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G Sunday, all word, the Talking Sunday handle. And I think, again, tomorrow we're going to start breaking down the teams. We'll start in the AFC North. I don't know if we're going to do what team yet. Maybe the Steelers, Ravens, Browns, Bengals are fun. But that's for me to decide, though. So until then, I'm going to go out, hit the Sea Isle Beach scene, catch some more rays. I'm a little burnt. I'm going to have to put on an extra SPF today. I was using 50 yesterday, but maybe I have to do 70. I know, pathetic. Um, but yeah, so we'll see you tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk a little AFC North. We'll break down the fantasy players. We'll look into the betting markets again. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun show. Thanks, guys. Talk to you tomorrow.